Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome back. Uh, sometimes that's a weird phrase to hear if you were just here. Some of you I saw on Friday night uh, at our, our back-to-school uh, picnic. Uh, but, but being welcome, welcome back, is, is a common thing in our world. And I want to share a, a picture that will hopefully uh, teach us a little bit about it. So uh, this is not a picture of a church. It's a golden corral. However, I have gone to worship at a golden corral before. Uh, in Branson, Missouri, there is a church that for a while hosted worship at a golden corral because, of course, out of all places, Branson, Missouri is the place you could worship at a golden corral. Uh, the best part about it was uh, communion was all you could eat. That's not true. I know the pastor there now. Uh, don't get him in trouble. Uh, so while this may not be a picture of a, a church, I think actually we can learn quite a bit about church in 2023 from this picture. This was taken, uh, I took it in March of this year, 2023, at the Golden Corral in Alton. Now, looking at this picture, it's pretty inviting. Welcome back. This, this is great. Come on in. Here's the problem. In March of 2023, the Golden Corral in Alton was closed. Not just like for a day, it was closed every day. The sign on the outside, welcome, come on in. But there was nothing there for you. There was nothing that they had to offer. The sign on the outside says you're welcome, but when you come in, it's actually fine that's closed. And I think for us in the church, this is a pretty apt picture of oftentimes how the church ends up being perceived. It's, yeah, sure, I know in theory, everyone's welcome. We got a nice sign outside, sure, come on in. All are invited, and yet when you get in the doors, you realize it's actually closed. Not wearing the right thing. I, I don't uh, fit in. I don't know enough. I, I feel lost, and so there's nothing here for me. Or you've been gone for a long time, and you finally decide, you know what? I'm going to give this another shot. And you walk in the doors, and the first thing you hear is, it's about time. The sign on the outside says, welcome back. But when you get inside, you realize, no, it's closed. It's not for you. There's nothing here for you anymore. Or, or you've been coming week after week for, for years, for, for decades, and at some point along the line, you know, is there really anything here for me anymore? Is there anything more that, that, that I'm going to gain? And so you end up getting disconnected. Yeah, the sign on, this, on the door says, welcome back, but there's really not anything new for me here anymore. And there's an entire movement called deconstruction, which is about, you know, taking faith and uh, breaking it down uh, to its parts. And most of it is due to the fact that there's an inconsistency between the outside message and the internal experience of church. It's pretty accurate to the way that we experience, interaction between the church and the world, between church and members, between church 
and visitors. There's an inconsistency between the outward message and the internal experience. And the, the problem is that oftentimes, if there's problems, if there's issues, if there's inconsistencies, our natural tendency is, well, let's just shorten the circle of who's involved. So if there's people causing problems, let's just get rid of them. If everyone's causing problems, then I'm going to leave, and I'll go do my thing somewhere else. Again, we do this naturally. If you ask a teacher how the school year is going, oftentimes one of the first things you'll hear is, well, I have this many students, and you'll get a number. Here's the thing. Uh, that number, oftentimes the higher it goes, the more bags you'll see under the teacher's eyes, the more stress that is experienced, because the more children you gather in a place, the more problems there tends to be. And so, yes, teacher, you know, you have 23 students, and you say, would 22 be, be easier? And they say, yes, and let me pick which student is number 23 that is left out because this is what we do when we have problems, when we're overwhelmed, is let's just shorten the circle. Let, let, let's get rid of the people that are, that are causing problems, the people that don't fit in, the people that are on the outside. That'll make things better. And, and if, if I, I'm a part of a system and everything seems wrong, then I'm just going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a circle of one. I'm going to go do my own thing. Uh, because there, there's too much of a mess, there's too much of a problem for me to deal with. This is why in the church, oftentimes there's an inconsistency between the, the message on the outside, welcome back, everyone's welcome, and on the inside it seems the circle keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Because we think, if I shrink the circle of who's welcome, of who's invited, of who belongs, then I'll get rid of the problems. And here's the issue. Even if it's a circle of one, there's still problems. And in fact, there's more problems because we are not meant to do this on our own. We are meant to do this in community. The problems only multiply the smaller the circle gets, the more restrictive we get. But this isn't really a new problem. This has been around way longer than this congregation, than really Christianity as we know it today. This actually, from the, from the Old Testament, God's people in the book of Isaiah. You see, in, in Isaiah, his time of, of being the prophet, Israel wasn't faithful. They were everything that the world around them had said. Oh, you're just hypocrites. You're the same as the world. You're not doing... That's exactly what they were, except for a small remnant, a group of people who were still faithful. And I'm sure they were wondering, all right, in the midst of a world, in the midst of a church that looks a lot like the world, is there any use? Is there any point for me to keep going when all it seems that, you know, I go to the temple, I observe the Sabbath, and, and what, what benefit do I get? Just around a bunch of people who are messing things up. And the world around them looks and say, is there really anything for me here? Let's just shrink the circle. Let's make it so, so that only the best of the best are invited, are allowed. 
And yet, the prophet's words in chapter 56 are not of God shrinking the circle of who's welcome in his people. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I I encourage you, if you have your Bibles uh, or in your uh, bulletin, open up to our Old Testament reading from Isaiah 56. Because we see God himself gathering Instead of shrinking the circle, instead of trying to get rid of problems by getting rid of people, he actually expands the circle and brings in more people. He gathers more. There's three different groups that he gathers. Verse 6 is the first one. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. See, the first group that is gathered in is those that are outside uh, the ethnic group of Israel. But those that have already attached themselves to the name of the Lord, uh, which, by the way, is about as close as we get in Scripture to the idea of confirmation. Uh, The word confirmation doesn't appear anywhere in Scripture, but right here in Isaiah 56, it's talking about those who've attached themselves, who, who belong to the Lord. That's exactly what we do confirmation is these are my people this is what i believe we attach ourselves to a confession of faith to a community of faith and so these foreigners who have been brought in they are then gathered together and at at first glance at face value this looks pretty obvious i mean these guys are already in they're already doing the right things they're keeping the covenant why wouldn't you want them there but the follow-up question then is They've already got it all together. Why do they need to be there in the first place? What could they possibly have to gain from being gathered in with a bunch of people who are messing everything up? Why would God gather them together instead of keeping them separate where they could maybe stay faithful? Instead, what God's going to do is he's going to take these foreigners who are doing the right thing and mix them in with the Israelites who are a big mess. It doesn't seem like a good idea at face value. What do they have to gain? Seems like they already have it all together. It's like if you go to the gym and you walk in and all you see are a bunch of people who are in perfect shape. You kind of want to go, you guys already made it. What are you doing here? Go back home. You know, it's that same concept. Well, you've been in church your whole life. Right? What more can you possibly learn? What more could you possibly gain? What are you doing here? And that's the exact issue when we base it on this outward appearance. Because the reality is those that are the deepest in their faith, those foreigners in Isaiah 56 that have attached themselves to the Lord, that follow His commandment, know more than anything that they need their God more today than they did when they first started this journey, when God first called them. The journey of faith is not towards increasing independence, but increasing knowledge of our dependence on God and His Word. See, these foreigners are glad to gather, to be gathered by God into a community of faith that is messy, that is causing problems, because they know there's something for them. They know they need the gifts of God. 
But notice also where God gathers them to. He doesn't just gather them individually into this personal, private relationship. No, God gathers, he brings them to his house. This is verse 7. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. Again, it doesn't make sense that God would invite people that are faithful in mixed up with people who are not being faithful. And not only does he do that, he brings them into the same house to pray together, to worship together, to receive his gifts together. What we call word and sacrament ministry, being the church, receiving his gifts. What we're doing here this morning. Because here's the thing. That's plan A. Word and sacrament ministry. God's people gathered together in his house, gathered together to receive his gifts. That's plan A for God's people. And there is no plan B. This is it. And we can look at that and go, that's the best you could come up with? Because, God, I don't know if you know this, but when you gather a bunch of sinners together, they cause problems. And when you gather more sinners together, they're going to cause more problems. So why do you insist on us gathering together? Can't I just do this on my own? Can't I just separate? Well, I'll come back every once in a while. But the more that we gather together, the more that we realize we are different people. We have different desires, different uh, needs and wants. And that's just going to cause more problems. Lord, isn't, isn't there a, a better way to do this? than having us gather together and mess things up. And yet the Lord gives us plan A, word and sacrament ministry, gathered together, God's people, and there is no plan B. And it's because God knows that when we gather together, what's greater than our differences, what's greater than our divisions, what's greater then our sin is his forgiveness and his word and his promise and his gifts. And so he gathers us together, not around ourselves, not around our personalities, not around our identity, but around him, around his gifts, that he would change us, that he would shape us, that he would form us, that he would work through our divisions, that he would forgive your sins. That's exactly what Jesus does on the cross. He gathers all men to himself, gathers all sins on himself, that he would pay the price. And when he he was raised from the dead three days later, he gathers the very disciples that rejected him, he gathers them back, unites them around his death and his resurrection, because that's all that they need. That's all that they need to unite them in the midst of a world that seeks to divide, that seeks to cast out, that seeks to separate. The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, is the one thing that we need that breaks through all the division of the world. And it'd be easy if the text is stopped here and be, all right, God invited all these good foreigners, people that already had their act together. He brought them together and and, uh, brought them into Israel. This is great. Because that'd be nicer. That'd be safer. There'd be less problems. 
and yet God's not done gathering. Here's verse 8. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. The outcasts of Israel. Why are they outcast? Because they've walked away. They've walked away from their people. They've walked away from the faith. They've walked away from their God. And yet instead of tightening the circle, instead of saying, well, you were welcome at one point, but not anymore. There was something for you at one point, but not anymore. No, God himself gathers and draws and invites because he has gifts to give. And those gifts are greater than their rebellion. His forgiveness is greater than their sin. His gospel is greater than that which separates them. God gathers the outcast of Israel. Those that, that think on the outside, well, the sign says welcome back, but I don't think there's anything for me. God gathers us in. And He gives us His gifts because there's something for you here. There is someone for you. God Himself. As he gathers us and meets us here his very presence. See, it's not just the, the faithful foreigners that are brought in. It's not just the outcasts that are brought back. God still has one more group to invite. He says, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Yet others. And for us here today, that means, yes, even that person you think can't come back. Even you, if you're thinking, okay, yeah, there's something here for these other people, but not for me. Maybe at one point, yet others, all those that we think may be too far gone, may have some barrier that's too great, God gathers. Not so that he can keep them separate, not that, so that they can keep living in a way that separates them from God, but God gathers so that he can forgive and save and heal and change. See, we are welcomed back each and every day, each and every week as we gather together in this messy thing we call the church. Because here's the thing, the church isn't always going to get it right. The church has not. There's a reason why people feel disconnected from the church. It's because oftentimes we get in the way. And yet, word and sacrament ministry gathered together as God's people is plan A. And there is no plan B. It's always going to be messy. There's always going to be sinners gathered together. And yet there is no plan B because God knows that the center of it is not us, it's not our preferences, it's not our personality. The center of us gathering together is His Word, is His gifts, is His promise, is His people. So you want to take us back to the picture that we looked at the beginning. Because there's a slight update to this picture. If you drive by Alton, uh, you'll notice a couple changes here. Uh, the welcome back sign isn't there anymore which I don't know exactly what that says. But here's the thing. The restaurant is open. <laughs> There's no welcome banner, but the restaurant is open. There's something there for you. And I think maybe that's the picture of what we want the church to be in 2023, what we want Zion Lutheran Church and School to be in 2023. It's not about the signs on the outside 
It's about what is offered on the inside. That even for those who at one point tried to open the doors and found them locked for them, that there was nothing for them to offer, that God would gather them again. God would use us to reach out, to invite. That God would gather us together and all of us would be welcomed back. All of us would find that God's gifts are here for us. That we would get out of the way. God's gifts would be clearly given and proclaimed. And that when we don't, that God's forgiveness would cover over our sin, would bring reconciliation where there is separation. See, we are welcomed back. We are gathered together, not because we're perfect, not because we have it all together, but we're gathered together because we need each other. We need the gifts of God. And so welcome back. And not just this week, but every week. Welcome back. Welcome home as God gives us His gifts to this messy thing we call the church. But the place where God gives us what we need. Himself. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until he calls you home. Amen.